Hi, welcome to Elder Law Issues, the weekly podcast of the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. I'm Robert Fleming, and with me is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We're two of the partners in that law firm. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, we often hear from clients that they want to create a trust for a very specific purpose. And the three I think that we most often hear are to take care of pets to make sure that a surviving spouse or a longtime partner has access to a house for the rest of their life, but then the house could be sold and, and proceeds distributed to, uh, to children. Uh, and the third one is education of uh, grandchildren, particularly. Sometimes it's ed- education of children, but often the education of grandchildren. I, I just I want to talk a little bit with you about those three kinds of special purpose trusts. And, of course, there are others that we can generalize about as well. But I think those are the three most common special purpose things we see. Do you agree? I, I think, Robert, that's a that's a good assessment. One thing that I try and tell people to keep in mind when they really want to do a special purpose trust, which is often a sub-trust within their revocable trust, meaning there's a trust, a sub-trust that would be established upon the person's death, so that the revocable trust will contain all of the provisions of this additional trust that will be created at a later time. It's very hard to have a crystal ball and see down the road. And so when people want these special purpose trusts, I oftentimes have to remind them that we need to come up with a plan in the event that they may die without pets. If they're special purpose excuse me, special purpose trust is for the benefit of their beloved dog. We need to make sure we know what happens if that beloved dog dies before you do. So with the special purpose trust, Robert, we need to make sure to talk to people about what happens if the things that they're imagining would be the status um, of either what's going on in a grandchild's life or the health of a pet what happens if the status is actually very different at their death? Does that special purpose trust still make sense? And if so, how is it going to work? Absolutely. And, and let's use pets as the illustration for a moment. Things are very likely to change, very likely to change with your pets before your death, unless you happen to write your trust in the weeks before your death. People outlive their pets all the time. People get new pets. So you think, oh, I need to create a trust for the benefit of my my aging cockatiel and tortoise uh, to pets that have notoriously long lives. and uh, But they're going to be elderly, and so this is how I want them treated. And then they die before you do, and you replace them with different tortoises and cockatiels and and the duration of the trust is going to be different. Or there isn't a tortoise, but there is a cockatiel. Or you've decided to go with dogs and cats instead. So you need to be thinking a little bit more globally about what the idea of pet means for you, not just about those particular pets. And that's the same same thing, Robert, if you start to think about something actually like a grandchild and a grandchild's education. Sure, it's a wonderful idea to have some funds from your trust Um, used for the benefit of a grandchild or family members in education. But remember, it may be that when your beloved grandchild turns of age to go off to college, she may not be interested in college. She may be interested in a culinary program in the south of France. So what does that look like? And she may be going to a liberal arts college that has a year abroad in the south of France. And is that 
something that you want your money to be used for. And when your granddaughter is three, it's a little hard to think through what that looks like. So you need to be, again, you need to step back and think about the big picture of education. What does education mean to you? What kind of education do you want to support? And if you have three grandchildren, you know, the odds are one of them is going to get an all-expense, uh, a free ride at, at some college. Maybe they'll go to Harvard Medical School without ever spending a dime. We should all be so lucky. Uh, and maybe one of them will not go to college at all. And the third one maybe will go to the community college. So um, kind of need to think about how you're going to deal with all of those variants. Is the granddaughter who goes to Harvard Medical School, does she get to use all the money that's set aside for for education for all three of the kids um, or how are you going to how are you how do you want to deal with all that and Robert I think the management of these special purpose trusts is important to think about sometimes people have this notion that they want these special purpose trusts to kind of continue in perpetuity well let me tell you unless you have a lot of money a lot of money <laughs> big amounts of money um, imagining these special purpose trusts continuing decades into the future is just not sustainable and it really doesn't make administrative sense. And the reason that I, I correlate this issue with the amount of money that might be going to fund these trusts is because you need to create broad language, I think, to be successful around trustee provisions, trustee succession provisions, provisions around a beneficiary who may not have the ability to do X, Y, or Z. And so the trust terms will need to comp really speak to what happens if your granddaughter wants to go to the south of France and how those funds might be distributed by the trustee. I mean, we get into a lot of detail, and part of this is because our notion is usually when people talk about a special purpose trust, they want the money to be used. But to do that, we really need to get into the details and we really need to imagine those administratively. I had a client just last week say that they wanted to create a trust for the education of grandchildren. And when I said, at what age should we assume their education is done? Oh, there is no age. They will know when they're done with their education. Oh, that's just not going to work. Um, and particularly with three or four grandchildren, when the youngest says, well, I might go back and get a master's degree, and the oldest has graduated from college, gotten a job, has a career, and has been out of the education system for a decade, um, that's just not fair to, to tie up the money for the uncertainty of the possible education. So you need to define terms very clearly. And I say it's not, it's not really fair, but if you want to be unfair, that's okay. You just need to define the terms so that the unfairness is supportable. Uh, and, of course, you get to define what is fair with your own money. Um, the, the third kind of special purpose trust that we mentioned is the one about houses. And, and this is the one, you know, I think these things tie together very nicely because the point that we really want to make about all of them is you need to think about the real-world ramifications of what you're doing. And in the house one... It's very easy to say, I want my spouse, partner, whatever, to be able to live in the house without having to pay anything for as long as they want to. But uh, who's going to pay the taxes? Who's going to pay the roof repair? Who's going to fix the, the porch as it's tumbling down? And what does, it, what does want to mean? If they're in a nursing home but they really want to come home, do we keep the house available for them? Or 
do we define living there as being able to actually sleep there for 30 successive days? Uh, and then what if they take a long vacation? And, you know, gosh, there's so many terms. And the biggest one to deal with, I think, is it's very easy to say, no, they can live there, but they have to pay the taxes and the upkeep and the utilities. Okay, but what if they don't? What if the house is about to be lost for failure to pay the taxes? Or the value of the house is deteriorating because the repairs aren't being done? And and what's their incentive to put money into repairs if they don't own the house and, and they're going to be out of it in you know, within five or ten years anyway. So it's it's actually a lot more complicated than just I want my partner to be able to stay in the house as long as they want to. I agree, Robert, and, and I oftentimes see that it's very, very, very hard for somebody to imagine their partner not remaining in the house. But in fact I try and talk to people a little bit about the grieving process and in fact Maybe it's different stories, six months, eight months, 18 months after somebody's death. Being in the house may not be such an attractive option for your partner um, for, for various reasons. And so, you know, building flexibility for the trustee to try and adapt and make plans that would support um, the change in placement or the repairs with the house if needed. I think that's all really important. You know, we oftentimes will have somebody say, well, if my partner has vacated the the residence for six months or more, that the residence may be sold or the residence can be rented and the income from the rent collected can be used for my partner's care. Well, then my, I, I don't know, Robert, I just start scratching my head. I mean, these things get complicated very quickly. And so I don't like to discourage clients from doing special purpose trusts, but I do like to have very detailed discussions about the administration of a special purpose trust and when enough is enough. If there's less than $50,000 in that special purpose trust, it's probably time to wind that thing down. Yep. And that's something that we need to bake into the trust to allow the trustee to say, okay, this is, this is the end of the trust. The special purpose is no longer obtainable and, uh, and we have to be able to move on. It's a, it's a lot more complicated than people think when they come in with these very fixed notions about what the trust might be used for. That doesn't mean we can't do it, but there are a lot more moving parts that you need to consider. All right, with the help of, of our office dogs weighing in on the subject, um, I think we've exhausted our thoughts about uh, about trust for individual special purposes. And, um, and we'll just remind you that you're listening to Elder Law Issues. It's a weekly podcast. We would love to have you come back again next week. I'm Robert Fleming. And the other voice you've been hearing is my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings-Freeman. We would love to have you join us again for Elder Law Issues next week. Thanks.